what we make of it. Shotgun wedding. Sometimes a first date requires paperwork. A Good Omens fic, written by Charlotte Madison and read by Literarian. Chapter 37 They rented a car and followed Tracy directly to the bookshop after brunch, leaving Brian and Adam to clean up. The packing went swiftly. The only piece of furniture Aziraphale cared to take was his reading chair. Leave the rest of the books for now, Tracy said, squeezing Aziraphale's shoulder. That's a project and a half. Don't move until you know where they go. Crowley wondered whether this wasn't her gentle way of letting Aziraphale know that he'd be welcomed back if things didn't go well. Which was prudent, of course. Not that prudence had figured into their plans yet. In the end, Aziraphale parted from Tracy in the kitchen, with hugs, kisses, and one of her signature perfect Manhattans portioned out into two mismatched teacups for them to share. To be and foolish, Tracy toasted. To admitting we always were, said Aziraphale. They drank together. I'll miss you, you know, she said. Robert'll be a terrible housemate. Crowley snorted from his perilous perch on the back of one of the kitchen chairs. <laughs> Just don't let him con you into doing all the chores. Nah, Tracy said, waving the notion away with one hand. His mess stays in his room. He wants to live in the pixie, he's welcome to it. I do no man's laundry. Aziraphale flinched. He'll be in my room. Don't let him near my books. Oh yeah, he's in your room, babe. He sleeps in exile or will have no peace. Snores, does he? Crowley asked. Nah, said Tracy, wrinkling up her nose. He farts. Aziraphale cringed, but Crowley grinned from ear to ear. We have got to do brunch again soon, he told them. At home, home, Crowley cheered internally, they enlisted Brian and Adam to help carry everything upstairs. Crowley dropped off the car and helped his husband, husband, clear space, unpack and break down the boxes. And then, very suddenly, it was all over. It was done. The boys vanished into Adam's room and shut the door. Aziraphale zipped up the last suitcase and Crowley put it away. They ate reheated leftovers from that morning. Aziraphale opened a bottle of wine, over which, for the most part, they were uncharacteristically hushed. It had been a very long weekend. It's your first Sunday night here, Crowley finally said, seated, to the degree that he ever really sat, on a stool at the island. And tomorrow will be my first Monday morning said Aziraphale, standing across from him in the kitchen. And thereafter follows my first Monday night. 
And how's that notion sitting? Aziraphale looked at the floor bashfully, but he was smiling. One of the good smiles. Better than I thought it might, he answered. Cheers to that, then, said Crowley, raising his glass. And you? Me what? How is it, as you said, sitting? Oh, it's, um... Crowley squirmed and looked askance. I mean, good. It's good. I'd love to know whatever it is you didn't say just then, Aziraphale remarked with a faint smile. Someday, if not now. I could tell you, but can it go on record with an asterisk? What does that asterisk signify? That my better judgment told me not to say it, and I behaved. Asterisk granted. Aziraphale poured himself another half-glass. Hmm, this is the most fabulous mouthfeel. Um, can I get another time-critical asterisk? I'll allow it, just this once. You have the most fabulous mouthfeel. Good Lord Crowley! Look, if you pitch him low and slow, I'm gonna swing. What about the first asterisk? What I did not say earlier, it was something about... Crowley took in the lamplit lines of his husband, who was leaning against the kitchen counter with a glass of wine, ankles crossed, sleeves rolled up, clothing slightly rumpled from the move. Um, think it was something about... Crowley's throat went dry. I don't know, I forget. I asked how you were feeling about all this. Aziraphale prompted him. And you said it was good. Oh, right. What I didn't say was, and please don't take this as, like, pressure or anything. Of course not. That is all safely asterisked. I didn't say that I'm pretty much sold on this already. I definitely want you around all the time, for always, no question. Like, for me, it's all settled. I'm just worried I'll scare you off by being so fucking wound up. So, yeah, of course I'm good. Aziraphale radiated an intense expression that hovered precariously between joy and dismay. That's really quite something, isn't it? I don't know that I've ever... That's... It's new. Married you, didn't I? You did. And I meant it, is all. So, yeah. Crowley pushed his glass across the worktop, and Aziraphale refilled it for him. I'm starting to think I meant it too, said Aziraphale. And I beg you to forgive me if I seem at all uncertain from moment to moment going forward, but this has been... Rather a lot. Hey, it's week three, and you're here on Sunday night with suitcases, said Crowley. I'm not fast. Later that night, though, 
With the plants all seen to, and the boys bid good night, Crowley felt the itch of anxiety between his shoulder blades. He watched his husband dithering over the dresser, the wardrobe, the nightstand, repeatedly revising what went where. He really deserved more throw pillows, Crowley thought. And a fluffy crocheted blanket and a gilded brass lamp. And furniture besides blank cubes of black and grey. Aziraphale's presence demanded curves, cushions, curious on display, a reflection of the gentle chaos of a soul that delighted in every little thing. Damn it. This whole Batcave look was such a mismatch for him, all sleek and dark and angular and uninviting, with nowhere soft for Aziraphale to land. Wherever Crowley envisioned placing the antique reading chair, it felt wrong. Which seemed like a portent. But it wasn't a portent, was it? Nope. Not allowed to be. Instead of dwelling on it, Crowley sat in the new old chair, temporarily wedged in a corner of their bedroom, and started undressing for the night. He liked how the chair itself had taken on Aziraphale's shape. It was cosy. There was something there, something about the shapes of things, about finding the right shapes for each other. Puzzle pieces. Wasn't that what Adam had said? Right. Puzzle pieces. Well, so what if the room was all wrong? It was only furniture. It could be changed. They could both fit. They would fit. They'd make it work somehow. Crowley's mind started flipping through redecorating schemes at a dizzying pace. Oh my, said Aziraphale, interrupting Crowley's rapidly accelerating train of thought. Oh my what? He'd been reordering his shirts in the closet, but he'd stopped. Aziraphale reached all the way to the back and pulled out a hanger. Crowley laughed loudly and then threw a hand over his mouth, remembering it was nearly eleven. Whatever can this be? I can't begin to imagine, Crowley purred, crossing his legs. What do you think it is? Aziraphale held the garment up. Unless I'm very much mistaken, it's a sequined halter neck dress. Not a dress, it's a gown. Crowley hopped to his feet and padded over to pick the train up off the floor. Well, my apologies. Wondering if it still fits? asked Crowley with a saucy smirk. Aziraphale tossed the gown onto the bed, never breaking eye contact. Oh, just appreciating the aesthetic, that's all. Caught sight of something shiny, and I suppose it aroused my curiosity. He fluttered his eyelashes demurely, and while he'd made no explicit request, his meaning was perfectly clear.
God damn it, but that look was effective. Fuck. Blessed angel, Crowley swore under his breath. And then he was tugging the rest of his clothes off fast enough for a backstage quick change in a village dive bar bathroom. Oh, don't go to any trouble, Aziraphale said, but the rest of him was saying exactly the opposite, including the way he absently adjusted his trousers. Shut up, Crowley scoffed and kissed him hard to ensure that he would. He was into the gown not twenty seconds later, and it still fit like a glove. It was a cheap, stretchy thing, but the cut was fantastic, and the black and crimson sequins more than made up for the costumey quality of the fabric. Crowley indulged in a little vain strutting and preening for old time's sake. The thigh-high slit wasn't nearly as impressive without the heels, true, but there were more pressing matters than digging those out of a box at the moment. And the most pressing matter was the way Aziraphale was looking at him just now. I've not got my shaving game together at the moment, Crowley said in a deep voice, cocking a hip. But it's a classic, regardless. Oh, that's not... Aziraphale looked Crowley up and down and licked his lips. I mean, do whatever pleases you, of course, but I adore you just as you are, and I don't think I'd be half so interested if you... if you were going more for the... ahem... So you're interested, is what you're saying. Crowley reached for the end of that infuriating tartan bow tie with a loose wrist and graceful fingers, giving it a single tug and watching it fall apart. He was learning about knots. Aziraphale inhaled deeply. You certainly are channeling Madame X, aren't you, darling? Crowley adopted the iconic pose from the sergeant painting. Oh, always. She's a mood and a half. You should have seen this get-up when my hair was long. You had... oh, you had long hair? Aziraphale asked with gratifying enthusiasm. His smile had gone fully carefree for the first time all day, and that meant Crowley had to kiss him thoroughly before answering. Aziraphale grabbed his waist and pulled him close. The sequins were unpleasant to touch, Crowley knew, prickly and plasticky, but it didn't matter at the moment. I did he gasped when they broke for air. Would again, for you. Grow it out, if you want it. Crowley. They collided again, and this time Aziraphale's hands found Crowley's bare back and shoulders. They ranged all over, tracing and digging and drawing Crowley in and in. 
Crowley fumbled with Aziraphale's buttons and peeled the layers away. Fuck yes, Crowley grunted as he tugged off Aziraphale's undershirt. Tonight needed to be like this. It needed to be fun and new and familiar and comfortable all at once. They were living together. Living together. Here. Home. Fuck. Crowley backed away and hopped onto the bed, landing on his knees. The evening gown draped over the glittering peak of his erection. Aziraphale stared at it, open-mouthed, captivated. So your curiosity is aroused by shiny things? Crowley asked in a low voice. Aziraphale just shook his head, stunned, but then his eyebrows suddenly knit with some remembered concern. The boys are here, he whispered. We shouldn't. Oh, of course, we shouldn't do anything they can hear, Crowley agreed hastily. But there's two rooms between us, and the door locks, and they sleep like, like, things that sleep hard, what's it, trees, logs, I don't know, those. He twisted his torso and reached into the bedside table for Aziraphale's favourite vibrator, a soft little teardrop number that fit in his palm, wondering if the sight of it might be inspiring. He crawled to the edge of the bed and snagged his husband by a belt loop. Aziraphale stiffened as he stepped in, looking increasingly uncertain. This was the first time they'd turned amorous when the house wasn't empty. But the toy and the bed. Toy's quiet. The bed's memory foam. Won't make a sound, I swear. I really don't know, Crowley. I can't stand the thought of... well... Crowley leaned right up to his ear and whispered, in what he desperately hoped was a sexy voice, I can be quiet if you can. He heard Aziraphale swallow hard. I'm afraid the memory of being an unwilling third party is a bit fresh at the moment. I don't want to disappoint you, but if I knew we were able to, you know, that we wouldn't, I just can't. Crowley knelt back on his heels, drumming his fingers agitatedly on a sequined thigh. Aziraphale bit his lip and looked wretchedly sorry. Science, Crowley blurted out suddenly. Aziraphale blinked. Sorry? Science, Angel, we'll science it. You go down the hall, I'll make noise, you come closer until you can hear it. Then we'll know. I'm sorry, what? Here's your rope, there's your phone. Take it, go. Crowley bundled his new roommate unceremoniously out of the bedroom door and closed it. 
And that was how Aziraphale found himself taking a step at a time down the hall from the kitchen to the master bedroom, past Adam's room, then Adam's bathroom, then the office, getting closer to their door with every step, texting furiously all the way. Crowley couldn't see it, but he didn't need to. Today, 2238. Can I come closer? Only if you guess right. Off. Nope. On. Okay, take two more steps. Where are you? By the office door. Nearly there. What do you hear now? Mainly the voices in my head telling me you're mad. You love it, Angel. Do I, though? You like the dress, I know you did. On or off? Oh, it's a dress now. I thought it was a gown. On or off? The gown or the toy? What do you hear? On. Well, the gown is, so one out of two. You're not good at this game so far. Are you? Am I what? Turned on. Now it's your guess. Schrodinger's cock, eh? Gonna say. Off, because of my stupid jokes. I'm loath to admit it, but you're wrong. Well, then. Is this what being wrong feels like? Wouldn't know. I'm coming in. No. Not until you guess right. On. Yes, I am. What's the password? Crowley, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That'll do. You may enter. And that was how Aziraphale opened the door to find Crowley holding a vibrator in one hand and his phone in the other, wearing a floor-length gown he hadn't put on since the New York days, jumping on the silent-as-advertised foam bed as hard as he could, just to prove a point. The poorly stifled laughter was more likely to give them away than any other sound they made that night. The gown slipped sparkling to the floor. Aziraphale's trousers were thrown across the room over whispered protests. Crowley teased and tormented his husband with threats of tickling until he got himself tossed bodily onto the bed, which might have been part of the plan. He grappled and writhed until he got held down and laid on and snogged into silence, which was definitely part of the plan. You're a damn nuisance, you know that, Aziraphale told him between deep, determined kisses, pinning his arms above his head. <sniffs> Crowley agreed. He turned on the vibrator he'd been palming the whole time, and Aziraphale couldn't help glancing up at it. 
Crowley took advantage of his momentary distraction to roll them both over and sit up on his knees. Can you hear me now? he asked. Aziraphale pinched his leg in retribution. Sorry, I deserve that. I did deserve that, Crowley whispered, shifting down the bed. With your permission... Aziraphale huffed and shook his head in exasperation. I suppose if you must, you must, he sighed. Fucking fiddlesticks, <laughs> Crowley chuckled, tracing the edges of Aziraphale's thighs with the vibrator. So ungrateful. I am nothing of the so oh, oh, oh. Aziraphale's voice cracked and rose as his cock vanished deep into Crowley's mouth all at once. Crowley sucked the length of it hard and let it go with a loud pop. Shh, he hissed. Quiet. And Aziraphale was, or tried to be, as Crowley massaged his perineum with the vibrator and teased his cock with the ridiculous little tongue tricks that always made his husband's thighs tremble. In the absence of the usual moans and whimpers to guide him, Crowley focused on Aziraphale's breath, the gasping and the huffing and the holes as his every muscle grew more and more taut. Crowley smiled to himself as best he could with his mouthful. In a strange moment of clarity, he thought to himself with uncomplicated conviction, I really like this. The thought was so simple and mild, but it dropped through his core like an anchor, settling deeper than any doubt or distress. I like this. This is nice. He flicked the vibrator up a notch and hummed contentedly. He hollowed his cheeks and pulled from the back of his throat swallowing the moment itself, unfolding like origami, blooming with a bright certainty, stretching open to bask in the feeling of right here, right now, this, yes, here, him, home, now, this, I like this, yes. Aziraphale arched off the bed and came hard, silent, breathless, mouth open wide and eyes shut tight. Then he collapsed, trembling and gasping, but he only lay there for a moment before he hooked Crowley under the arms and dragged him up the bed. Oof, Crowley grunted, always manhandling me. Yes, well, some people require manhandling, Aziraphale whispered between gulps of air. The unruly sort. He dropped Crowley on his side and eased up behind him to spoon, wrapping one arm around his chest, hooking a heel in front of his feet. Aziraphale squeezed Crowley tight and then took firm hold of his cock. Mm, yeah, 
Unruly, Crowley managed in a shaky undertone. Simwa. He tensed and strained against the resistance Aziraphale knew he liked to feel, grounded and held fast by strong arms and legs, rescued from his own restlessness with blazing breath on the back of his neck and low throaty growls right in his ear. It was absolutely ridiculously resplendently fucking perfect. Aziraphale started to stroke him, fast and rough, because he knew what Crowley liked by now. He knew. Oh, fuck, Angel, fuck, yes, he gasped. This is not gonna take long after that. I flatter myself that it won't. Sure, fucking credits all yours, mate. Ah, fuck. I love our conversations, darling, but I love it even more when I can make you forget every word you ever knew. Fuck, same, I... (laughs) Crowley came all unvoweled. His throat opened. He saw stars. His ears were ringing. His limbs effervesced like champagne. Crowley liked this part, too. When he could breathe again, he suddenly burst out laughing. Shh! Aziraphale clapped a hand over his mouth, but Crowley just laughed harder. He felt Aziraphale start to shake with silent chuckles, too. (laughs) Sorry. Crowley rasped helplessly. (laughs) It's just... I can't. (laughs) You live here. We did the thing. The bullshit paperwork thing. And now here you are. I can't even... (laughs) (laughs) Lucky you. (laughs) It's absurd, though, isn't it? It's preposterous, yes. (laughs) Downright bamboozling. Crowley snorted, and that set them both off for a long time. He turned over so they could hold one another, and Aziraphale buried his face in Crowley's shoulder. They laughed silently till they almost cried. It took ages to calm down enough to inhale. This is nice. I didn't know it was allowed, Aziraphale sighed after a while. To be like this. What, to have fun? I suppose. I thought other people could, just not me. Well then, next time I catch you having any fun, I'll put a stop to it. How, pray tell? By threatening to drive me somewhere? Oh no, much worse. I'll set a glass of water on a book. You wouldn't! You fiend! You absolute... If it was a night for new things, getting smacked in the face with a pillow might as well be one of them, but Crowley certainly hadn't seen it coming. You can't fucking... He sputtered as he reached for a weapon of his own. No, no, wait, that's not fair. You absolutely earned... 
Did you know you were allowed to do this? No! Oh. That's because you're not. Stop it. These are expensive. Aziraphale tackled Crowley onto the bed and pinned him for the second time that night. He was red-faced and blue-eyed and smiling and sweaty and wild and he was an angel and he was staying. Crowley let every muscle in his body relax at the same time and just before the down pillow hit him in the face again, he thought once more, I really, really like this. Worst roommate ever, he hissed. Too late, I've unpacked, Aziraphale whispered and then stopped his mouth with a kiss.